0: Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and today we are continuing our discussions on normal. We've done normal development for gross motor normal development. We've done fine motor normal development, and today we're doing speech and language normal development. And so this is so exciting because I'm a speech-language pathologist. And so this is what I do. So I'm going to be the one talking about it. And I kind of sat idly by and gave my two cents for the PT and the OT one. But now I get to give all more than my two cents, like my $2 worth or whatever it is. Anyway, so I am going to be talking about speech and language normal development today. So let's just start right off on it. And so why are we talking about normal speech and language development? Well, it's important to know what normal is, and it's important to know what normal is so that when you go to test a child, you're not 100% relying on a standardized assessment. I had a very smart professor, David Shapiro from Western Carolina University, who taught me this in my diagnostics class more than 20 years ago now, I think, and I've mentioned this on one of the other podcasts as well, but he told me a long time ago to use your brain. And so that meant, and he explained it probably better than I'm going to, but he meant give the standardized assessment, get the test scores, see what those results say. That's great. But don't forget your clinical knowledge and what you know to be normal and the theory and and apply the standardized assessment to what you also know to be normal and then put all that together to come up with the right therapy plan for the child, which I've used all of my career and it's made sense then, it makes sense now. And so sometimes when I see speech and language assessments, I'll see goals written straight from the test. And I get so frustrated because I'm thinking, well, did they think about the child when they were writing these goals up? Because it maybe, you know, you can write goals straight from the test, but I've yet to see where a goal written such as child will understand some, many, most, all. I mean, that's great and all, but what, so they can identify all of something, which they need to, but if you don't put it in a functional context, then how are they going to apply that and use that anywhere? And is that really the most important thing they need to be working on? So anyway, it's important to know normal and then from normal and then and what normal development is so that you can use that in a combination with the standardized assessment to create a good goal plan for the child because if we're not making progress, we're wasting time. So I'm always thinking about where are we going, what are we doing, and are we making progress with this child? So that's why you need to know what normal is. And so speaking of normal, let's talk about this. So let's start with birth. Birth is a good place. Birth to eight months. This stage of language development is known as the perlocutionary stage of language development now i 'm sure perlocutionary is a name that everybody uses all the time i 've used it in every, almost in most of my speech and language reports since I started more than twenty years ago and Bill Ochiltree, also from Western Carolina University, taught me perlocutionary and these other words i 'll use after that. but he drilled it into my head, and right now i couldn 't forget it if I wanted to so Perlocutionary is a stage of language development between birth and eight months, where the child is, they're not intentional communicators yet, meaning they don't initiate, request, protest. They cry. And when they cry, parents or caregivers or others attribute meaning to that cry. So a baby's cry at first is just a cry. It doesn't sound different than another cry, but parents attribute meaning to that cry. So the baby's crying, the parent goes, oh, well, they must be hungry, or they must be dirty, or they must be tired. And then from that... Parents attributing meaning and responding to that cry. The child learns to vary their cry, and they also—that's how intentional communication is built upon that. Because the child quickly understands, because I say this all the time, babies are smart. A child quickly figures out, oh, if I cry, somebody's going to come running, so I'm going to cry. And then from that, they get a response, and so they learn to initiate. But we're going to get to initiation in just a second. Also in zero to eight months of age, they start making some eye contact. They start doing that about four months-ish. They begin to respond to their name during this time period. They start cooing, smiling, laughing. You know, usually a baby gets to be about five months of age, and I'll start to say, oh, this is when their little personality starts to come out, because they move from the in potted plant stage, which is zero to three months, I call that I call babies that's potted plant stage because they really don't do much. You know, you just sort of move them around the house or wherever, and they're kind of like a potted plant. You know, you need to water them, feed them, pick them up, move them around, but they they don't really do much. And so they start to kind of move out of that stage after three months. And then they start doing stuff and they start interacting. And they start smiling and giving you some feedback and making eye contact and, you know, just interacting with you. And they start making little sounds, you know, the first little sounds. Most babies, the first little sounds they make are D sounds. And a lot of times I'll hear daddy say, Oh, he's saying da 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 And the mom's saying, Well, I birthed him. He I hope he says mama. But let me tell you, let me go ahead and bust every man's bubble here. Now, the reason they say dad first is because when the babies are taking a bottle, their tongue tip goes up to the top of their mouth. I can get into whole bottle taking, eating, and a right bottle fiend, but their tongue pattern, their tongue goes to the top of their mouth. And so there's just sort of a normal pattern. It's already established. It's a motor pattern that's established where their tongue is going up to the top of their mouth right there behind where their front teeth would be, but they don't have teeth yet. And that's also how you make a D sound. So everybody listening can try that now. Put your tongue right behind your top two front teeth and you make a duh, duh, duh sound. And babies, when they take a bottle, their tongue goes up. In that direction to take a bottle, it's part of the normal sucking movement, and so that's why they start to make duh-duh sounds first. You also, some of the first sounds you start to hear are guh sounds. Again, a normal movement that's made when taking a bottle. You usually don't hear PBs andMs, and Ms, bubba's and muzz first, because when a baby's taking a bottle, they're not really closing their lips together to take that bottle. They're closing on the nipple, but their lips are really not that active in taking a bottle. The lips don't do much; they just are sort of there to make sure liquid doesn't escape. So you don't really hear PB and Ms and mamas and bubba and papa first. You'll hear it second or third, but not first. Usually you hear the duh sound. You might hear a guh sound, and then you might hear p, b, and m. But really, at first, you just hear vowels, lots of ah, uh, vowel sounds. You hear them start to hold them in varying in length, short sounds, long sounds. They start to play with their voice. They do squeals, low voice. They just make sounds. They're just playing. And then you start to hear consonants, and usually at first it's d's, and then, like I said before, and at the very end of the eight-month stage, you start to hear sort of babbling where they repeat the same sound, da-da-da-da-da-da, over and over and over and over again. They're not usually mixing it up like dabba or muda or things like that. Usually you're just, they're just repeating the same sound, ga, 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 ga da, 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 da So that's the end of eight months, perlocutionary stage of language development. Next, illocutionary stage of language development. And the illocutionary stage is where the child is intentional, meaning they understand if I do this, I'm going to get that. That's very important. It's huge. Starts about nine months, goes until about 12 months-ish, give or take. You know, if a baby's not there right at nine months, I'm not freaking out. But if they're not there by 12, I am. So about nine to 12 months-ish. They're the illocutionary stage of language development, and that stage is characterized by the child using gestures and vocalizations to initiate, meaning they're reaching their hand up and they're going, uh, 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 if they want something. They also can reach their hand out and squeal to want something. They can gesture with a bye-bye they can shake their head no, they can, you know, so big, you know, you say, so big, and they put their hands out, and they can start to initiate some of those games. Like, they can start clapping their hands, meaning they want you to do patty cake. They can, you know, start to initiate little games with you, or to pull up the blanket over their head to start to play peekaboo. They're initiating. They're not waiting for you to do it. They're doing it, and they're wanting you to copy them, or to participate with them. And that's gestures and vocalizations. Let me quickly define a vocalization, because I'm sure everybody was, Wondering what that is. A vocalization is just a sound, but not a word. So if they're reaching their hand out and they're going, ah, 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 vocalization, or if they're reaching their hand out and they're, ah, still same thing, vocalization. If they're doing bye bye and they're doing a gesture, that's a word. And that's a different stage of language development, especially if they're saying bye bye, bye bye every time they're making a bye bye gesture. That's the word, and that's next. Let me talk about speech development a little bit. Between 9 and 12 months of age, that's when you start hearing, like what I was talking about at the very end of 9 months, da-da-da, consonant-vowel, consonant-vowel, consonant-vowel combinations are really more of a... You might start to hear it at the end of 8 months, but really you're going to hear it 9 to 12 months. And then you'll also start to hear that duplicated babbling, but then also you'll start to hear some variated babbling. So you hear ba-da or ma-pa, you know, various like vowel and vowel consonant combinations. So this is a really fun stage. I mean, they're just like little jabbery people, and they're talking, and they they sound so cute. You're driving down the road, and they're sitting in the car seat in the back, and they're just badda, 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 talking on the back seat. Preciousness, I love it. But that's nine to twelve months of age, and it's very short. It's like a blink, and it's over. And then you move to locutionary stage of language development. And if you've been paying attention, P I L pill. Again, Dr. Ogletree, Bill Ogletree, Western North Carolina. Couldn't forget pill if I tried. But locutionary stage of language development, it's about 12 to 18 months-ish and, um, where a child is a locutionary communicator. And that stage is characterized by the emergence or... First words. So as soon as you hear a word, and they're intentional with that word, then that's locutionary stage of language development. So if they're reaching their hand out and they're going ba 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 for their bottle, they're intentional locutionary communicators. They've moved over. So that's important. And how do you know like various types of intentional communication? Requesting, protesting, commenting. So that comment can look like they're looking at a book, they know you're in the room and they can point to a picture in the book and they go, uh, and they're looking up at you and they look down at the book. They look up at you and look down at the book, uh, uh, or they might say like, duh, duh for dog or something like that in the book. That's a comment. A greeting, that's also another stage of communicative intent and that's hi, bye, that's in this stage of development. And you look for first words emerging about 12 months. So if you think about it, between 0 to 12 months of age is just input. The child is just like a little tiny sponge. So what is happening is people are talking, 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 talking to those kids between 0 and 12 months of age. And at 12 months, things have clicked together, and now they can start expressing using words expressive communications. So at 12 months, the child should come out with their first words. By the time they're leaving this stage at 18 months, they should have about 100 words. So that's a lot. A child between 12 and 18 months of age is adding a new word a week. There should definitely be an increase in the amount of words. If you think from month to month, you should notice a difference in how many more words they can say each month. When I evaluate a child, say I evaluate a child at 18 months and they've got They don't have a hundred words. They've got like 25. But the parent's telling me, look, well, he can say more words this month than he could say last month. And if their receptive skills are pretty normal, their understanding at that age, and I'll talk about what they need to understand at this age, then I'm not too concerned because they're adding words to their vocabulary every week. So that's kind of where in this situation I would say, okay, the test is saying one thing, but here's my clinical, what I understand to be normal. As long as they're adding words, and that also as long as receptively they're where I want them on track, then I'm not too concerned about them. So I don't want everybody out there thinking, oh my gosh, 100 words and they don't have it. It's okay. There's a continuum of normal. So they do need to be adding words. And most of these words are all nouns. So they're just naming stuff like crazy. This is also the stage where the baby does a lot of, what's this? What's this? Or they might say, this, 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 meaning they just want you to name stuff. And you're naming stuff all day long, you know, everything. And they're just inputting, inputting. They're light little sponges. They're awesome. But they're really just mostly coming back out with nouns. And they are using intentional communication. If a child of this age is still doing like just screaming for what they want or crying for what they want, they might even use a gesture with just screaming and crying, then usually I'll get involved in terms of speech because they need to be intentionally communicating and they need to try to be saying something to get something. They are saying something, they're just crying, but they really need to be doing something to get something besides just crying at this point. So, and I'll see that a lot and we'll work on it. And there's some things you can do to even work on it at this stage. For example, I'll tell parents, I'll say, okay, you know, a child sitting in their car seat and getting ready to get out of the car. The kid is already anticipating. They know what's going to happen to get him out of that car seat. They've been out of that car seat 45 bazillion times. So I usually click one buckle open. And then the next buckle, I'll just pretend like I have completely lost my mind and I have no idea of what to do next. And I'll go, what? Out? And I'll just pause. Out to the child who's anticipating what I want. And I'll say, out? You want out? And I'll tell them, tell me, say out. Well, usually the child's going to scream like, because they want out. And they're used to, hey, if I scream, I'm going to get something. But I want to start building that word use. So I'll say out. Tell me out. And then I'll tell the parents to use like a little gesture or sign for out. And we'll work on that together in the therapy session. And then we'll build on that gesture to create a word. But I'll tell the parents to set up little situations where they can get the child to intentionally communicate in just regular course of things that happen in their day. Right before you go pick them up to get them out of the crib, if they're still in a crib. Right before you go hand them a cup of juice. Right before you get them out of the bathtub. Right before you get them out of the car seat. You just pause at little regular things during the day, and you give them the same word. You want out? You want juice? You want up? And then you sort of highlight that moment in time and give them a word, and Usually the kids will sort of, as long as they can hear you normally, they don't have ear infections, that kind of thing, they'll start to pick up these little words. So that's one thing I use a lot to get kids to initiate and to use words and move past that stage from an illocutionary communicator to a locutionary communicator. See, y'all are just going to be using perlocutionary, illocutionary, locutionary like crazy. It's the new thing. Okay, now kids at this age, also in terms of their speech development, their basic sounds are P, Bs, and Ms, Ts, and Ds, Ks, and Gs. Uh, some H's, some W's, blah, 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 not too many of that. But mostly P, B's, and M's, T's, and D's. They'll have some K's and G's, too. And then they have all the vowels, A, E, I, U. Um, all those. But their speech isn't clear at all. The only people that can understand them are the people who hang out with them all day long. Stranger in the food line or Harris Teeter or whatever your grocery store is, not going to understand a word this poor little person is saying. So just the caregiver, whoever hangs out with the most during the day is going to understand the most of the time, like 50%. 50% is a free-for-all, who knows? But also these kids are able to follow directions. Go get your shoes, go get your diaper, give it to mommy throw the ball, and they don't need a gesture necessarily. They can follow one single step direction. They understand who they are, so they know their name, and they look when they're called. They know who their family members are. You can name various objects, and they know what that is. Ball, keys, shoes, hat, you know, common objects that they play with that they're recognized. You know, porcupine, not so much. They're going to understand simple phrases. Let's go. Or outside, let's go outside. They're going to get some of those words and they're going to understand and they're going to do that. So that's kind of receptively where I want them. They're beginning to look at books, but that's pretty tough. Like pictures, they're not really identifying pictures yet, but they can attend for a little bit for little games. They definitely play easy things like peekaboo, patty cake. They're past all that. Their stage of play at this point is just combinational play. They can combine toys and play, but they're not really functionally using them too much. They're really still more of a combinational play kind of kiddo. So as a child moves from 18 months to 24 months, the next stage, they should have about two to 300 words. By the time they're two, they're starting to combine two words together. Me go, mommy go, play ball, things like that. If you notice, now they can do a verb. So before they've just been saying nouns, but now they're starting some basic verbs and understanding verbs. And in their play, you'll notice that they can combine more toys. So they are doing combinational play, but now you'll start to see some functional play, meaning they'll use an object like it's supposed to. They'll take a spoon and stir up the bowl. They'll push a truck, put blocks in a truck and push them. They'll roll a ball. They're just functionally using toys like they're supposed to be used. So what this basically means with functional play is I watch play at this point, and I look to see if a child can combine two objects in play. If they can, and they're not producing two words, then I understand cognitively, though they understand it. So if I'm going to start therapy with them, because they're not really combining two words, then I know perceptively in their head, they're understanding to combine words because they're combining objects in play. So then I know the framework is there and it makes therapy easier. If they're not doing that, it just tells me where they are in their stage of development. So see, I can take that standardized test and then what I know to be normal, and I can write the best therapy plan for that child. I don't need to work on putting two words together if they're not even combining any toys or even using those functionally in play yet. They're just not ready for that. I need to back up and work a lot earlier. Again, at 24 months, very few people can understand these poor little people, just the people who hang out with them during the day. At 24 months, though, the people who hang out with them during the day can understand about 75% of what they're saying. So that's an improvement. But again, the chick from the grocery store at the food line, not very much. Maybe half, but not really half. This is where the child says something so cute, they're so precious, and the stranger is standing there and they just look at the mom or dad like, huh? Then you have to interpret. And the mom or dad like, he said, I want a green lollipop. I'm a very advanced two-year-old child. Anyway, so that's what happened. They still have your basic sounds, P, Bs, and Ms, Ks, and Gs, though. They're putting them together in consonant vowel, consonant combinations, and they're doing multiple words. Okay. So then we're rolling along. During the whole second year of life, their speech is getting significantly clearer and their play is getting more developed. Their attention span is getting better so they can sit a little bit longer. They can look at books. They can turn pages in the book. They can start to identify pictures in those pages. They're definitely understanding directions and their play is definitely functional, combining multiple objects in play. And then they're beginning to move to symbolic play, which is where we pick up between the ages of two and three years of age. They can now pretend objects are different things. So they can pretend that a, this probably isn't the best example, but a stick is a gun. Probably not the best example. They can also pretend something else is a baby doll. Or they can pretend feed the baby imaginary food. They can pretend that a stick can be an airplane, you know, or something like that. So this is more symbolic play. They start to answer questions. to answer what, where, and who questions. You know, where's mommy? Where's daddy? Where's sissy? Things like that. Between two and three years of age, at age three, a child really should be understood by most everybody else. 75% of what they said should be understood by the stranger in the grocery store, if we're using that same example. Everything they say should be understood by people that hang out with them most during the day and take care of them. Age two and three, congratulations, they've got no. They're using that all the time. No. Me. I do it, my do it. You hear, you've, if you had hung up with me three year olds, you've got all that. They've producing the final sounds on words, which also is why they sound so much more intelligible or clear. And they're also starting to use more pronouns my, mine, you, you know, mine, mine, like the birds in Nemo mine, mine, mine. But they're definitely doing that. And they definitely got the whole no thing going on for sure. Most two- and three-year-old children are very similar to uh, teenagers in that the world revolves around them, which is how it should be. So that's why you got the whole mind. And at this age, they're also learning how to play with others. They're moving from a parallel play where it's just them playing in isolation by themselves and another child playing in isolation by themselves to playing with others. You see that emerging more at age three than two even. But that's a fun Fun move and fun. So then they got to have little friends at preschool and play with other little people. At this age, again, the P, Bs, and Ms, Ts, and Ds, Ks, and Gs, WHs should all be present and all clear in their speech with no misarticulations of any of those sounds. So that's where we are at age three. So that's zero to three years' language in a nutshell. That's the overview. I thought it might be a good idea to go over a few questions that I get frequently. Some common questions I get are, how many ear infections are too many ear infections to have? And five is the right answer in a year. More than five ear infections in a year, and then a child should be taken to an ENT. Because at that point, what happens with ear infections is, is where the in the ear there's a fluid and the fluid gets infected. That's the ear infection. But what happens is even after the infection is cleared up, the fluid sometimes can stay around for another two, three weeks. Well, basically what happens is the child starts to sound like they're under the water or was what I call Charlie Brown talk, like wah, 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 wah. So they can't really hear clearly all the different sounds. And a lot of times there's high frequency sounds like the S's, like on the end of words or CH's or SH's, they miss all of that or they just miss the final sound on words. So a lot of times what'll happen if a child isn't hearing clearly, if they've had more than five ear infections in a year, they still got that fluid in the ear, even if it's not infected. So they have periods of time where they do have infected fluid in their ear and periods of time where they just have fluid in their ear, but anyway, infected or not, they're not hearing normally. And so, because of that, they're missing, like I said, the high frequency sounds, the sounds on the ends of words, also S's, SH's, CH's. And so, what can happen is they can start to develop, if that pattern continues where they have ear infections, they can start to leave off the final sounds on words. Well, nothing plays more havoc and how well a child can be understood is if the final sound is not on the end of a word. You try to talk, whether you leave all the final sounds off the ends of words in the sentence, see how many people can understand you. It's really hard. So that's one of the major phonological processing errors that we find and we work on is final sound deletion. And any speech therapist has been working for a while knows that right up and down. And a lot of that can be attributed to lots of ear infections. Another, so five ear infections in a year, go see an ear, nose, and throat doctor. That's an ENT. Another question I get a lot is, My child is disfluent or stuttering. Same thing. Is this normal? Is this not normal? There are normal periods of disfluency in a child's life, like normal disfluency, normal stuttering, and it's very normal. And here's how you know if it's normal. If a child is just, is fluently disfluent, meaning they sound like mommy, or they say, they start a sentence, I, 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 I want to go outside. Well, that's a fluent, disfluent. They're not stopping. They don't get stopped like, ah, ah and they can't get any words or sounds out, they're fluent. They're saying something. I, 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 they're just repeating the same word over and over and over again. And it's at the beginning of a sentence. They don't even know they're doing it hardly. There's no secondary behaviors. There's no major stops. There's no blocks. There's none of that. They're just... Fluently disfluent. That can be a very normal language processing problem. Their little heads are working at one speed and their bodies and how well they can talk is at another. Probably what's getting ready to happen is getting ready to have a huge language burst. I see it happen all the time with kids and they'll go through this period where they're disfluent or they're stuttering a little bit and then they'll they have a boom, a huge language burst, and they kind of move to the next stage of language development. Lots of, I don't know, reasons for what they're doing and figuring some stuff out in their little heads, but that's happening. So I hear that. My advice to people is just don't worry about it. If it takes them 10 minutes to get a sentence out, then sit there for 10 minutes and let them get that little sentence out. Don't call a lot of attention to it. Don't get too stressed out about Normal disfluency is they're disfluent at the beginning of the sentence, and they're not blocked, they're not stopped, they've still got a sound coming out, they're just repeating that word several times over. It'll also come and go, and so you'll have periods where they're just crazy stuttering, and you're like, Oh my gosh, and it's freaking you out. Let it freak you out on the inside, but on the outside, you don't need to overreact. Don't worry about them because if you show concern, then they'll get concerned because they don't even really know they're doing it. But you'll see it go away, and then you'll see it come back, and you'll see it go away, and it can come back and go away up until age six. But as long as it follows those patterns at the beginning of words, and they're still getting some sounds out, you're fine, and it's coming and going. You'll see it come and go more. It's high stressor times like Christmas, birthday, birth of a sibling. All that can sort of trigger some disfluencies in a child, normal disfluencies. I get that question a lot. I also get questions of, oh, well, this child is my second or third child, and they just don't talk. Well, a lot of times, second and third children don't talk as fast as, or as quickly as first children do because a lot of times those first children are talking for them. So... Sometimes if you can get periods of time where the first child's out of the house, maybe they're at a little play date or somewhere, and you can spend some individual time with that second child, then you'll notice a bump in their language, and you'll notice a bump in how much they're talking. And usually these children are understanding everything you say. They're just not really coming out with that many words. Sometimes those kids really do end up needing a little bit of therapy to give them a little boost, but a lot of times they're just slower to talk because the first child, a lot of time, is talking for them. So it kind of happens. Okay, those are the normal developmental milestones for a child's speech and language development, birth to three. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I really enjoyed it. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, so I appreciate you listening. I hope this has been a resource to you, whether you're a speech therapist or a parent, physical occupational therapist, it doesn't matter, or um, another type of professional that works with kids. It's important information to have and to know and to sort of put in your bag of tricks for knowing... And looking at the whole child gives you a different perspective if you're not a speech therapist on the whole child and what's normal and normal language development. So I hope you'll tune in and listen to our podcast on normal gross motor development and normal fine motor development as well, because they are also important milestones to understand in working with the whole child. So thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.